You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hi, welcome to Nick Luck Daily. It is Wednesday, the 12th of April. We are but a few days out from the start of the Grand National Meeting. More on that a little bit later on. Uh, it is a very fast news day, which is probably why Nick's taking the day off. No, not so, but um, he has entrusted me with with um, being a competent stand-in for this podcast. And we, Rishi Passad, have got plenty to get through. Rishi, welcome along. We're, we're going to start. We're going to hear from Chief Executive at the Jockey Club, Nevin Truesdale, very soon. We're going to start with the news that broke just after the podcast went live really yesterday regarding the new sponsor for the derby it is a bookmaker it is betfred rishi Passad, your reaction i'm delighted personally tom i think the fact that racing has held off for such a long time in accepting uh, a bookmaker to uh, attach their name to one of our uh, premier races a classic in uh, in particular um I'm, I'm pleased to see that we're we're acknowledging what this industry is, which we are a massive part of the betting industry, uh, particularly economic times that we are currently in. Lots of companies, lots of mainstream companies are struggling uh, and perhaps looking at sponsoring um, a, a horse race for some companies uh, see, is seen as, as a luxury at this sort of time where their employees may be struggling a little bit with their daily lives and daily bills etc whereas bookmakers are continuing with healthy turnover healthy profits um so i think it makes sense commercially economically um but also interestingly enough it's my understanding that there were a couple of um big bookmaking firms who were involved from the outset in bidding for uh, the right to sponsor the derby as well as some mainstream commercial names uh, and in the end it was a competition between uh, from what I understand, the, the, a big bookmaking firm and a non-bookmaking firm. Uh, and in the end, a better offer was made by, by Betfred. Um, and that's the way it should be done. And I'm, I'm very happy about it. And I, I think there's been, there's been for a long time a little bit of a, of a reluctance to engage deeply with bookmakers to sponsor races such as the Derby. But I think it's high time that we acknowledge that they support the industry to a significant degree. Um, and in, like I say, in these current times that we live in, I think it would be, you know, what's the phrase about looking a gift horse in the mouth, etc. I think it's it's great news for the Derby, and I think Betfred will uh, get something out of it as well as Epsom. Okay, well here is the chief executive of the Jockey Club, Nevin Truesdale. Yeah, Tom. Good morning. I think it's a fantastic deal um, for Epsom, for the Derby, for the Oaks, for British racing in general. I mean, we we have here. A, a proper bona fide commercial deal that I think everyone would expect us to have negotiated for this sort of asset, number one. But far more importantly than that, we have a partner who is re-energised, re-engaged in sponsoring and supporting this sport. And as as they've been doing, you know, for over 50 years, um, we all remember them with the Ebor, the Cheltenham Gold Cup, the Autumn Double, Newmarket and and various other assets they've sponsored down the years. So to have... Fred back sponsoring at this level with this sort of race I think it's fantastic news for all of us and definitely something um, that we should celebrate and I think a partner who will activate it extremely well work with us to do that 
You, you talk about activation there. There was a lot of excitement, Nevin, about the kazoo deal and, and what it might do um, regards bringing fans in beyond the sport, given their ties with with, with other sports. Um, is it fair to say that activation-wise that those goals weren't achieved? Yeah, I think activation I mean, obviously is a big thing for us and working find a partner who will who will follow through on that. And I think, I think Kazoo would probably admit that perhaps they went to too many assets and too many different sports all at once and um, we probably didn't quite achieve there what we wanted to achieve. That, not to say that there wasn't you know some effort towards it. I mean, they, they did a good job and they got a lot out of it brand-wise. But you know the, the world moves on, and, and here we have a partner who I think will activate it and will will really put it through their customer base extremely well. You've you mentioned the the other um, really flagship races that, that that this partner Betfred have, have sponsored in the past. With with the Derby, with your with your jockey club hat on, and all the the races that that fall under that umbrella, is it fair to say that when you sit down at the negotiating table initially? RE getting sponsorship of the Oaks Ben and, and predominantly the Derby. You want to strive to look beyond a bookmaker if possible. Is that fair to say? You want to look at all the different sectors that may be interested or interested Tom. There's a lot of different factors to take into account. You know, obviously um, financial strength, activation, how you work with that partner to, to, to really get the best out of it from a customer point of view as well. Um, it'd be wrong to say that we should automatically be looking away from certain sectors. So certainly, there certainly was a narrative that was it last week or the week before that you know the, a bookmaker should not be sponsoring such a race. I don't subscribe to that at all. The fact is, we we did have interest in this asset from a lot of different sectors, and a lot of those conversations are ongoing. In fact, I would be reasonably optimistic that we'd be in a position to make similar announcements on partnerships around the Derby in the coming weeks. But I think this partnership today with Betfred is one that we should really celebrate because it's a, it's, it's a, re, it's a really strong partner for a really strong asset and, and, and we're all very proud to be where we are. Yeah, I think the, the, there was an article you referenced there talking about whether the, the Derby would be better off having having no sponsorship at all. I mean, financially, that's, that's just a non-viable option, is it? That's absolutely a non-starter for us, for, for an asset like this. Um, with significant financial value, as it's always had, and indeed growing financial value as well, um, for, as part of this deal, um, we, we would be, I think we would be irresponsible in the extreme to be in a position where, with, with offers on the table, we leave it unsponsored, yes. Mm. Um, now, I want to keep everything very positive because we're coming up to three fantastic days at Aintree. So before we come on to what, I, what, what, as you know, we're going to talk about, let's just, from your point of view um, and, the, and the Jockey Club's point of view, how excited are you all about these three days culminating in the Grand National living? Tom, I get, I'm sure we all do in this great sport of ours, I get a little feeling of excitement and pit of my stomach in the, in the lead up to both Cheltenham and Andy and um, this year is no different and I think we're all hugely excited about what lies ahead both from a racing point of view especially on Thursday with four grade ones um, the bill set up the way it is Constitution Hill running and I think the, the work that Seleka and, and Dickon and the team at Adrian have done to get us to this place um, and in the shape that we're in I think it's absolutely fantastic so you know, we're, we're, we're really excited and I think with something you know, with the world watching us and watching us as a sport we can all really look forward to 
Now, and therein is is the issue with the world watching, which makes the Grand National, Nevin, such an appealing option for those people out there that don't believe our sport does right by the horse and that want to use that platform to, to, to spread negativity, to disrupt the Grand National. And um, we're talking on the podcast today about the, the Good Morning Britain um, interview, which I know you've seen. Is that feeling in, in your stomach mixed excitement but also trepidation about what might happen? I wouldn't say really trepidation. I mean, obviously we, we take the, all the security measures that you would expect in a situation like this. Uh, and this year will be no different to any other year, but clearly we're cognizant of um, some of the some of the suggestions and, and, and threats that have been made in, in recent days since the Mail on Sunday broke the story you know, a, a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, you know, ultimately I would I would turn that round actually and say the opportunity for us as a sport to really get behind and really champion the record we've got on welfare. You know, the fact that um, we've done we've taken so many steps, not just at Andrew, but everywhere, to really, you know, up our game when it comes to the layout of the courses, the scientific research, the fences, the washdown areas, you know, the stabling all the, and the, not least the ground, all the different things we've done to really improve our position on welfare, we should be up board talking about this positively and really championing this. Mm. And that's what, this, that's what the statement that we provided to um, Good Morning Britain this morning, uh, or um, yesterday morning, did. And that, that's a really, those, those points are really important to get across. So I actually see it as an opportunity for us to counter some of this, frankly, misinformation um, that we get from some of these groups. Um, who in some cases are you know, very ill-informed about how the horses are actually treated across this whole industry. Were, were you frustrated, Nevin, that, that, that said group was given a platform on, on ITV in the morning? Well, yeah, I mean, we had relatively short notice. Although we only got notice at 7 o'clock on Monday night that this was, um, this was a, a possibility of happening. And we were given the opportunity to put a statement in, which we did. But you know, how GMB set up the programme is an editorial decision for them. Mm. So there's no point in reading against that. That's a matter that they've got to deal with as ITV, as GMB. And all we can do and what we are doing is you know, responding to that and really have, using it actually as an opportunity to get our story across. Um, you, you mentioned you mentioned all the things in there, Nevin, which I know we people in the sport you know know about the care and, and everything that goes into the horses. I've been behind the scenes at Cheltenham to see all the work that goes on there to make sure every horse is kept as safe and sound as is possible. Um, are the Jockey Club constantly trying to, to to sort of spread that message, if you like, in every way possible, so it just it can reach those people outside the sport? Do you think that's very important? I think it's incredibly important, and I would and I am very clear in my mind that we need to be very front foot on this, and indeed you will see from us. And indeed, you've probably already seen from us you know, much more positive um, statements and conversation about this. Um, and, you, and over the next three or four days, given if we're given any chance we get to tell that story, we will do so. Equine welfare is right at the heart of our whole strategy. Everything we do, because ultimately we all know that without them constantly upping our game on that and talking positively about it, ultimately um, this, this sport is, is undermined. And we cannot, simply cannot allow that to happen. So yes, I want us to be out there front foot on this, and we will be. Rishi, uh, Nevin, um, the, the back end of that chat, obviously regarding, well, largely horse welfare, 
Um, the Jockey Club have been proactive. Mm. They were at Cheltenham regarding um, what goes on behind the, behind the scenes there. They did a, a video, which they've also done at Aintree and, and, and pinned to their social media page. Nevin talked about being front-footed, re-this, spreading the positive message. But the issue here, which he touched upon, is that it has such a huge platform that therefore it's attractive mm. at the Grand National. It's attractive for the these groups to disrupt what what was your what was your view when you saw the interview first of all with good morning britain oh first of all i'm disappointed that uh there was no defense no significant defense put forward uh for the sport of racing and for the record of improving equine welfare and improving uh the conditions in which our horses and riders compete i I don't think the defence that the broadcaster who was asked to um, to put forward a case, um, she I, I don't think she did a particularly strong job. Um, and the person who was pro uh, animal rights activist, um, a lot of what she said was spurious. Um, a lot of what she said uh, was emotional and not based solely around facts and not based around uh, the detail of what is required to make her or to be in that position, to have that platform that she had uh, in order to and, and say the things that she did. Because a lot of what she said is easily debunked. But the problem was there was no one to debunk it. And then what you've got is, if you obviously look on the, on the social media uh, platforms that have posted the video, You've then got a series of comments of people saying, yes, she's right. They support the Grand National being uh, axed. They support horse racing being axed. Horse racing is cruel. And there was no proper argument about it. And I, I totally respect people's opinions for saying they don't like horse racing. They like horse racing, whatever it may be. But in order to have a proper debate on it, you have to speak with some sort of intelligent clarity on the subject. And I don't think either party did that. And it was a, it was a rather disappointing and limp display of uh, a debate that required a bit more uh, thought and information to actually make any sense whatsoever. The other thing which has been commented on, and really the first thing that struck me, Rishi, and you work for for ITV Racing, or you you, are, you appear on screen for ITV Racing. <laughs> um, this is the, the, the terrestrial broadcaster uh, allowing a platform. Yes, it's a completely different show with completely different mm. people involved, but allowing a platform to somebody to, 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 to speak very negatively about, about our sport. I found it rather extraordinary that there wasn't therefore a, a, a better defense put up, perhaps somebody from ITV racing. Is it, is it, is it your view, your understanding that, that your team, if you like, were completely blindsided by this. They must've been really, otherwise, otherwise yeah. it, it wouldn't have gone ahead as it did. I mean, I, I believe so, Tom. I don't know any more than the majority of people, um, but I, will, I would have to make the assumption that if anybody found out, they found out very late that this was going to happen um, because I'm pretty certain that anyone, <clears throat> I, I will happily vouch for all my teammates on ITV Racing saying that all of us, any one of us, would have been very happy to go and sit or stand and defend our sport to the bitter end because we're pretty comfortable. I mean, I'm comfortable. I know you are. And I'm pretty certain that all the people who appear for ITV Racing are comfortable in the knowledge that horse racing um, is very concerned about welfare, do our utmost for welfare. Horses are, I mean, this is this, it's almost boring for me to have to say it to someone like you because i know you, you you do know most of the people who listen to the nick luck podcast will know that horses are cared for 
in in a really impressive manner. Um, and what what really what really irritates me more than anything else about when people go on and do as that that um, I think her name was Orla uh, did on on GMB. She she was telling us that we can't love sports or love sorry we can't love horses um, as much as as she does as much as an, uh, other animal rights activists uh, love horses because we like horse racing. I mean. <laughs> How you make that correlation, I have no idea. There was nothing in what she said that in any way linked uh, the fact that they love animals and they love horses more than we do, um, just simply because we we like racing. I mean, uh, that that's what, you know, the fact that they speak for our feelings. They, they tell us, you know, talk about owners or they, you know, people who come on and support it say, well, owners can't, they just run their horses for financial gain. I mean, what a load of cobblers, you know, uh, you know, as well as I do, anyone listening to this podcast will know how much the horses mean to owners, trainers, jockeys, the staff, um, the people who work and are involved with them day, every day. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's disrespectful on their part to tell other people how they feel. Yeah, I think what I find the most most frustrating is the is is the is the assumption on their part that they'd be freeing all the animals and every single horse in training would be out in a field running around happy as anything. I mean, it, it's 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 just a complete and utter nonsense. But Correct. Um, she had a she had a platform to 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 say what she did, and and as you say, the defence put up was was well, it was a complete non defence, really, wasn't it? What yeah. what about the BHA's response, which was initially to to clarify on social media ish that they they um hadn't been a, been approached um for for comment and mm. subsequent to that they've now said they have approached the producers um and and are willing and hopeful that they can put somebody on the show in response well overall i didn't think tuesday was a great day for the bha um obviously there's more on that um later on this podcast but i i i think at this time of the year the BHA must be well aware, as everyone is. I mean, I spoke to Suleika Varma last weekend and we talked about um, the possibility of, of of saboteurs and the possibility of disruption to the Grand National. You know, she's pretty aware of what's going on. They're preparing for that. I would have thought the BHA would be, you know, across as many media platforms as possible, trying to make sure that they are ahead of the game at this time of the year what's happening this week well the grand national what's one of the biggest dangers you know animal rights activist groups etc wanting to have their moment in the sun well the bha need to be ready to go um obviously they they have pointed out that they weren't given the opportunity but i i would have thought that in this particular week they could just possibly be a little bit more front foot um, than they have been knowing what's been what's what's coming up this week and and of course there was a massive front page headline in the daily in the mail on sunday um however long ago saying that something was afoot yeah you mentioned a uh an interesting tuesday for the bha so we now come on to exeter yesterday the tim hell memorial we come on scene novices handicap steeplechase i'm just going to read the, the stewards report first of all the request of the integrity department of the british horse racing authority the connections of aces full were interviewed by the stewards before this race and asked to provide information regarding the selection of the race for the gelding their expectations for today and the riding instructions given Following the steward's inquiry, the horse was withdrawn and the matter referred to the BHA Integrity Department for further investigation. Well, Sean Curran joins me. He is the trainer of the horse, Aces Full. Uh, Sean, welcome along. Give me your version of events. Yeah, no, I, um, I raised it. There were next to earlier. Um, and, yeah, I got a lift down in the lorry. 
as I do sometimes, or I drive it, whatever. But I had a runner up here, and the girl was here on her own at work, so I had to come here. But I was subsequently asked to come to the steward's room because the horse had been supported on the way down or whatever, backed. And uh, I was asked some questions, as in, how did I come across the horse? And well, the answer to that is my cousin Joe back in Ireland, he got the horse, I don't know where he got it, but he had it, asked me if I'd take it over and bring it to England or send it over to me. And um, I ran it back to Stratford about seven or eight months ago. And it um, made a little noise, but it was deemed to be sick when I came home. So it ran under my name. Well, everyone knows me as Sean, Sean, or whatever, but I read a JM corner like John Matt. And then, running my own colours, I'd pay for everything for the horse. It's like it's just a gentleman's agreement with my cousin. Um, so if I can, it, just, just to, so if people pull up Aces Full and have a look at it, it, it says trainer Sean Curran, owner JM Curran. That's the same yeah. person. That's you. That's me, yeah. Right. Um, and and did the did, did, were you given any indication of this being the sort of sticking point or this being the issue that they were trying to get at? No, not at all. It's just didn't uh, just so I thought they were more concerned why it was the arse backed and, and I was sort of a bit I don't know flabbergasted by the whole lot of it. Um, okay, so. so I'm interested here. Have you ever been called in to see the stewards before a race because one of your horses has been backed? Never. Never ever. So you, you, you at this point, you're thinking something's not quite right here. Um, uh, it, it, it suggests in the stewards' report you were asked things like why this race, how you came upon this race, those sorts of things. It, was it quite detailed? Yeah, yeah, it was detailed. How did I come across him? And blah, blah. blah. You know, why do I well, take this race? And to be fair, I can't really put everything together what they did. You know, the different questions. How did I get there? How was I going? Was I, you know, bizarre questions. How did I get to them next? Or why was it, it was like as if I was on a jail sentence or something like yeah. that? I'm not sure. Um, how, how did it come at that point? When were you aware the horse was going to be withdrawn? Just before I legged up Adam Wedge, literally just before I legged him up. And how how long after Sean was that? since you'd spoken to the stewards? Uh, an hour. No, what time is the race? About an hour, an hour mm. plus before my interview. Yeah, or after my interview. Yeah. So so listen, the horse has been backed pretty pretty well. But you know, I, I was covering it for racing TV. Um, I was told fourteens into nine to four at one point. I mean. You know that that's a, it's a, a significant enough move, I guess. Do do you know who backed the horse? Did you have anything on the horse? I'm a lucky man. I don't back horses, and I wouldn't have a clue who backed him because I don't know. I don't. I obviously my horses are in good form at the minute. They're running quite well. I jump horses and the flat horses, so it was a not a hundred novice handicap chase. Um. Then next day, I don't know. Mm. I, I wouldn't know who backed it. I wasn't. Um, like I said earlier on in the interview, my cousin might have had a few quid on it, just out of interest, but 
he's left his job. He's not he's not minted or anything, but he's not a mad gambler either. And um, and, and were you presented by the, the stewards that 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 that, um, that spoke to you, or any correspondence you've had with the BHA before or since? Any presented with any kind of evidence they had that anything untoward was going on, Sean, or not at all? Not at all. I didn't. Well, I said this first. Funny enough, my horse and La Fan, the horse that just beat my horse, they said that's been back. Well, and then was I asked, did I know Barry Brennan, which I do know Barry Brennan. Um, he's a mate of mine for years, like, you know, but I don't know what horses he's running or what horses he's got in training. Obviously, it's, not, it's none of my business. So I've, I've, I run my own yard, if you know what I mean. Mm. So, um, and then uh, I was just, I was just, I don't know. I just, I, there's obviously something to got to do with the betting side of it. Or okay. The, bet, the betting world must have said, right, I don't know, someone pulled the, pulled the rug out and said, this horse can't run. Right, so just again, if I can just shed, just for listeners, Lafan won the seven o'clock at Wolverhampton, having just beaten your horse, give a little back, who went off the three to one favourite. So um, suggesting someone suggested to you, or, or they've suggested to you, there's there's been a link between those horses, of which you're saying doesn't, look, no idea where that's come from. Yeah. Oh. And, um, I don't know, someone's had, Authority to well, they said it's some rule that my cousin was still the owner, but he wasn't. He is and he isn't. It was a gentleman's agreement, like you know. Okay. With me and me and him, he's sent me the horse. What I can't put it together is the horse is already run under my colours, under my name, entered uh, before. There hasn't been a problem. Maybe because he was a big price that day. I don't know. It wasn't, but because he was back today. Same circumstances, one of my name, trained by me, same thing, just because maybe he was back, so I'm not sure. Sean, I appreciate appreciate you coming on and, and, and shedding from some light from, from your side of events. Thanks ever so much. Thank you, Tom. Rishi, this is it's just extraordinary, really. Um first of all, without without sort of you know passing judgment on, on either side, just for this to happen, I, I think in particular as Sean's saying there, he was questioned around about an hour before the race. And then for it to be literally two minutes before post time for the horse to be withdrawn, I I I, I don't think there's any precedent for this happening before. And I, I yeah, we we were all covering it with racing to be very very confused as to to what's going on. We now know a little bit more anyway. Well, it is my understanding, Tom, that the BHA, whenever there is information pre race or whenever they. Uh, have strange betting patterns made known to them. There are phone calls or inquiries made pre-race, or at least to let connections know that they are aware of something perhaps being slightly off kilter. Um, whether they, there's ever been a case where the BHA prevented a horse from racing on the basis of that information, I'm not entirely certain. Um, and I find it I find it a particularly dangerous precedent for the BHA unless there are very, very strong uh, strands of evidence to suggest that something serious was going on that they need to make public. They need to say, well, this is a precedent that we have now taken by saying if a horse uh, is potentially running with these betting patterns or with this information, this type of criteria, 
then we will use our powers to prevent that horse running. Because where if on the simple basis of what we know, and obviously we don't know every single detail, but on the simple basis of what we know and what Sean Curran has explained, I don't understand how the BHA can prevent a horse from running simply based on a horse being backed in from 14 to 1 to 9 to 4 or 33 to 1 to even money favourite, whatever it might be. You know, I, I cannot understand why the BH, I mean, goodness me, I mean, where, where would it end if that's the case? Every time a horse gets backed in um, and someone alerts them to something being being back, what will, you know, they can easily phone up and say, right, that horse can't run because something's afoot. It's it's a very strange decision, and I I don't think it's a good good look for the sport. I don't think it's a good look for the BHA unless they come clear with some information, some specifics about why that horse was not allowed to run, other than it's been backed, and we have had some strange information about uh, betting patterns. Well, I, I, as Rishi and I are recording this, the latest I've had from the BHA is that they can't comment further on uh, anything other than the Scotland the Stewards report. Now, if that changes before the podcast goes live, I will I will certainly provide an update. Um, I think that I, I thought initially, Rishi, <clears throat> excuse me, it might be a case of some sort of mistaken identity or the, or the fact that we had a Jay Curran and a Sean Curran. But the fact that, that, that Sean himself was questioned about the Barry Brennan horse leads you down the betting patterns route, surely. And what we know mm. now, as you say first of all they must have a pretty strong case i would say to act like this or maybe not maybe they'll just say we weren't happy we have the right to to, to withdraw a horse if 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 we see fit um we are we are the ruling body uh but it, it yes i i, I agree it, it sits uneasy with me at this stage anyway given what we know but yeah perhaps much much more will come to light there we, anything else you want to say about that rishi uh no but i'd like to know more i really would like to know yeah. more about their decision and and a, a more detail as to why the horse was not allowed to run other than strange betting patterns okay well here is an, an update from the bha so uh, just in response to to question about the action taken uh, they've responded the general power to take the action comes from rule a8 to discharge its functions and to give effect to the operation of these rules, the BHA may from time to time take any action necessary for these purposes and or issue any directions or instructions. There are also the stewards' powers they've pointed out under this rule. Rule H 7.4 to withdraw a horse from a race if they are not satisfied that it is qualified for that race. Let's turn our attention to Aintree then, racing on the track. And Jamie Snowden has a, a good host of runners heading to Aintree. Uh, some races we know, some still to be confirmed. Jamie, what we know is that you're going to run galore in a competitive-looking bowl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very competitive. Um, uh, thankfully, only six runners, um, but yeah, very competitive. He, um, he's obviously been a, been a star um, throughout the season, really. Um, winning, winning the Paddy Bauer was a, was a huge sort of triumph on the back of, um, you know, coming back from a, a year off with injury. But um, we were always keen to, to go up and trip. And um, unfortunately, he tipped up at the last in the Skybet chase when looking the sort of, well, coming to win his race. But um, that just meant that he wasn't qualified for the Grand National this year. And, and that's kind of our aim for next year. So a top four finish here would, would qualify him. For, for the Nationals so um, if a couple disappoint and, and we picked up a, a bit of fourth place prize money we'd be very very happy yeah fine so sort of re realistic expectations it, it's fair to say we're recording this pre-declarations do you know what you're going to do about the top with Colonel Harry and you wear it well 
So Colonel Harry wants soft ground, wants two miles. So um, providing it's soft ground, then he'll 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 no doubt turn up in the uh, in the Grade One over two miles. Um, he's won a couple of times. He's been placed in Grade Big Company, um, both the, the Grade One um, Tolworth and, and the Grade Two Upper Kelso. Second in that. So um, he, he he's a lovely horse. He'll be he'll be a gorgeous chaser next season. So we're just um, you know furthering his sort of education and if he can pick up a, a, a bit of the money on, on the way that'd be great but um beware it well obviously is is the one that um is an interesting one whether we turn up in the two mile race or the two four race we're, we're just going to make that decision this morning she obviously won at the festival um the only time she's been beaten this year was in was in the toll work or was in the um uh, the Challo at, uh, at Newbury. Um, she's been a been a star for us. I think she's pretty versatile, two miles or two mile four. Um, but we've just got to make that decision this morning which way we go. Okay, is that is that purely ground dependent? On I get the feeling, having spoken to you the last couple of times she's run, that you feel further is going to suit her at some point. I, I think that's definitely right, Tom. Obviously, she won the Jane Seymour over two and a half at Sandown. Um, I've never thought of her necessarily as a, as a speedy two-mile horse, but um, she won at the festival over two miles and, and, you know, arguably you could say was, was the best sort of two-mile British horse at, at the festival, um, not novice hurdler. Um, so, I, you know, we can't we can't shy away from, from looking seriously at the two-mile race, but um, I'm sure 2-4 will, will sort of be where she goes next season. Yeah, I'm glad you said novice hurdler. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I like correcting my correcting my guest, but there's there's this other two mile hurdle guy. He's quite good. <laughs> I can't. Hopefully we see him. Hopefully we see him this weekend. Um, great. And Kiltilly Briggs going to run in the Topham. Kiltilly will go for the Topham. Yeah, he he won a, a valuable handicap at Market Race in the start of this season, um, and he's he's run okay on the back of that. Um, but but he's he's come down to to, to blow his previous winning mark now um, freshened right up giving him a break since running over two miles at Sandown which obviously wasn't really his, his sort of um, trip so he freshened right up um, back up to two and a half miles over the national fences um, off a realistic mark it's a competitive looking race but um, he goes there fit and well with the chance great stuff Jamie appreciate your time wish you all the best great stuff cheers Tom thanks for having me on and another excellent novice hurdler we are going to see this weekend is Iroko, winner at the, the festival, and going to line up in on the Friday in the Sefton, over a little bit further. One half of the, the partnership that trains is Josh Guerriero, who joins me now. How is Iroko, Josh? Yeah, very good. Um, he's just sort of come back to form now. He, he just sadly had a race after Cheltenham, but the last sort of 10 days he's really perked up again, so seems good. He did have a race, didn't he? I mean, I mean, you know, yeah. it, st- stamina won in the day, right? So I guess going over further is the obvious step, is it? Exactly, yeah. And we've always sort of thought that um, he's not the quickest at home or anything, but um, we didn't want to step him up too soon, and it looks like now's the time, really. Do you think he's got the ability, the talent for a grade one? Uh, I mean, it's always hard to know, especially for us. He's, we, we haven't had horses like him yet, so... Um, but he seems to have all the all the attributes he needs. He's just very very tough. I think, especially over three miles, um, he's got a chance. Yeah. Uh, Jess Gill going to run in the in the top. It must have a live chance. Definitely. Yeah. He obviously seems to love the track, um, and I mean he's pretty much taken the similar horses on that he was taking on in the Sefton and the Beecher. 
Um, I'm not sure. I mean, over three mile two and two mile five, the last twice he's probably run similar. So I don't think the trip matters too much. So I think as long as the ground's not too quick, not too soft, it should be ideal. But he seems in great form and goes well fresh. So we've kept him back, especially to try and keep him fresh for for Friday. So he's finished second in the two aforementioned races over the, over the fences. What's going to be the difference here that, that that takes him one place further? Do you think? And is on Publique going to run in the same colours on the same day? Uh, yes, yeah, all being well. As long as it doesn't go too soft, um, he'll run in that conditions race in the last. Yeah, um, he's, he's he's competitive in those types of races, um, so I think a fast run two miles suits him. Uh, perfect trip. We're going to the next question. And Dervivon and the Fox Hunters. He's he's an outsider. <laughs> just, just tell me about his chances. on your O'Connor I see Josh, I wish you and Ollie all the best. Thanks for your time. Well, thanks very much. Aintree, let's let's yeah. go there. You're there already. Tell me yes. what you what, what are you what are the the couple of things you're most looking forward to, Rish? Maybe you can give me a tip from there. Up to you. Um, well, I'm looking forward, obviously, to the racing on Thursday. I think it's going to be terrific. Um, I'm looking forward to the bowl. Uh, Brave Man's Game, Ahoy Senor, Aplutard, etc. Um, I think that's a terrific race. Obviously, the news about Brave Man's Game running in the colours of Brian Drew um, only, solely. Um, and, and just the fascination as to whether or not Brave Man's Game can back up what he did in the Gold Cup. Not because he's obviously that was a fluke, right? obviously, he is very good, but it's more a question of it being a hard race. And he obviously emptied out up the hill. Um, there are a couple of other horses who didn't show it for whatever reason. Aplutar was hampered. Ahoy Senor fell at the 17th. Um, it was interesting talking to Peter Scudamore. He said that Ahoy Senor came home after the race and was upset with himself for falling, um, which I thought was a, an interesting way. But he said that's the horse's personality. Um, and of course, Ahoy Senor does have two verdicts over Brave Man's game at Aintree at this meeting uh, in the hurdle and obviously in the, the mile may. Uh, so... I um I'd be on the side of a hoist and you maybe um but then you throw in Shishkin uh, and maybe he was saving something going around Cheltenham and maybe he didn't have as hard a race as, as we thought because it was a very strange run at Cheltenham so that is fascinating and there's one other horse that's running and that that'll be my tip uh, 
on on Thursday, Tom. There's a horse called Douglas Talking from the Lucinda Russell stable, who I don't know if you saw him jump around Sandown uh, when he won last time. He I did. Absolutely, I mean, it was magnificent. I know it's a small field, but he's had a wind up, um, and Stephen Mulqueen will be riding him, but he has ridden him before, so he knows the horse. Um, and he he just bounced around Sandown, and I'm hoping that off a lowish weight, there's plenty more to come. And if he jumps like he did at Sandown, then everything else will have to go to peg him back. Douglas talking on Thursday. Is that your tip, Rishi, or did you have fun for one for Wednesday? You don't need to. Um, Wednesday? What's going on on Wednesday? <laughs> well, we'll, leave it. we'll leave it as Thursday then. Um, <laughs> great, great stuff. Uh, appreciate your time, Rishi. Thank you ever so much. Thanks to everyone at home for tuning in. Been a busy old episode. Nick will return tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.